Welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts, Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings, and more are just ahead on Legends of Greyskull. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 98 of Legends of Greyskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Theria, Norda, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Labor, UK Annuals, Comics, Mini-Comics, anything you can think of with that He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power! Now I tell logo down in the court. I'm Matthew Dude. Here again with Sean Scavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? I think it's funny that you stuck on the Princess of Power and we have nothing just, to offer those fans today. But okay. I'm good otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it all you got on Princess of Power. I, I got the spirit. Zor entered me. And Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the elders. Praise the elders. Praise the elders. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. We're, no. <laughs> we're getting canceled for this. <laughs> A couple of white guys. It's worship. <laughs> yeah. Just pure non-denominational worship. Uh, that's true. Yeah. And we are worshiping that which does not exist on Earth anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> Except in toy form, I suppose. Yeah. Oh. Inflammation in DC, <laughs> the early DC comics. Yeah, I know. And yeah. about half of the mini comics. Uh, the yeah. <laughs> and maybe something else. Stay tuned later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so pulling the curtain back a little bit. In our preparation for the show, mm-hmm. we, you know, we were messaging back and forth. Hey, anything really come out? Mm-hmm. And we're like, eh, not really. Um, we do have thanks to Tony Moore, Simba's guard, a religious emailer. Thank you, Tony. We do have remastering of a beastly sideshow that's coming up today. We told you we'd get to you, Tony. We we did not lie. We're about we're going to make good on the promise there. Um, and other than that, we're like, yeah, let's we'll just get together and hang out. And then Sean remembered that there were new. Masterverse uh, comic covers reveal, which got his brain tingling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out of nowhere, we, well, Sean, Sean yeah. found everything this episode. Sean fault. and Tony. Literally, I'm fault. pushing the button. That's all I'm doing today. <laughs> so, oh, it starts now. <laughs> Sean found uh, Instagram. It was Instagram, right? Yeah. Instagram. It was um, I forget. Eternia. Some someone. New, Eter- I New Eternia. I think. New Eternia on Instagram. Um, they did a We're post not- on when was it Sunday night? I think it was. Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. Tuesday night because this is Thursday. Yep. I'm all and off it, on my days, but yeah. Tuesday. And it night. involved the new art of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe book. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Dark Horse. This is the one covering the CGI series. Yeah. Um, the photos that he shared with me made me rush out and get this. Mm-hmm. By rush out, I mean Amazon Prime one day shipping. Because <laughs> no one actually rushes anywhere anymore. Um, except for Amazon people. They're the ones rushing to get the stuff to you. 
So this I'm going to save for the end of the episode because there are going to be heavy spoilers. So this is going to be the last thing we're going to do today, folks. Stay tuned. It's worth it. But if you hate spoilers, you're going to want to turn it off when we start that. That's why I'm going to save it to the end. That way we don't have to worry about, hey, try skipping ahead random amounts of time. Okay? So, but this is an awesome book. In case you don't stick around, I will talk about it for a minute here. Uh, It's... it covers everything. I've just flipped through it, and I'm overwhelmed by how much is actually in this book. It's basically the guidebook for the CGI series. It's got sections on characters, creatures, locations, uh, artifacts, weapons, everything. It's got story, abandoning story premises, early designs. I was just showing Sean... I can find her again. I should have marked some pages. Yeah, here's Sorceress. Um, It's got some great stuff. Uh, It's got some stuff, you know, they looked at some more classic-looking designs first before they kind of moved on and eventually got to the Sorceress we know and love from the show. Um, They dropped little tidbits about their thoughts. Um, it's written basically by Jeff Matsuda and Rob David, who basically crafted the show and got mm-hmm. it on the air. For anyone who says that the CGI series is just a crap cash grab, read this book and actually watch the series. And I highly doubt you will feel the same. You may not like it still. I get that the tone and everything, the character designs are not for everybody. But this book proves above anything else that is not just a cash grab. Mm -hmm. They were working on this. They got the green light to start production on this in 2019. I did not realize that they had been working on it that long. But it shows in this book. They went through so many iterations. They went more traditional. They went way more out of left field. They brought it back. I mean, they've been everywhere. So... It's amazing. Highly recommend. I need that. <laughs> especially especially because you love the CGI series, as I did. Yep. Yep. You know, the things that it did and the things that they hint at that they're going to do. Stay mm-hmm. tuned for the end of the episode. Spoiler yeah. alerts. Um, but yeah, the, honestly, touching back on it, the 2019 date shocked me. And they were like, and they're showing sketches in there. You know, this is, we did this years before. Like, okay. Like they, and they kept it pretty well under wraps because it was only about a year before it premiered. And this was the best series about kind of keeping everything under wraps of what was going on. So Definitely. I'm I'm pumped for that book. And and I'm pumped to talk about what we're going to talk about because like, like you said, you know, all of a sudden I'm just, there I am on Instagram, and wait a minute. So, anybody who wants to have a little bit of spoiling, I think they're gonna they're gonna have a they're gonna have some fun. So. Yep. Yep. And I I hate spoiling, but I had some fun. So, <laughs> uh, next. Oh, Masterverse. So, Masterverse. Sean, you saw some comic covers. 
I did. They they released uh, the previews. There's three of them, if I recall right, of the Masterverse comic book, um, and it's got the Viking He Man and barbaric the- barbarian Skeletor. Um, Real quick, this is the issue uh, two covers we're talking about specifically. I thought it was issue three. I let me double check, but I thought it was issue two. I think had battle armor He Man. So well, I thought three. it was all the variant covers. Let me pull this up here, guys. I there. Um, the standard one, Asper series. I think this is the one we were both talking about. So it's got... Lord, why are your people so big? So that's so the standard is that Battle Armor, He-Man, Man-at-Arms, Evil in on one side, and like the Sorcerer's Zodak split. That's the standard. Then mm-hmm. they've got a he- Battle Armor, He-Man versus Beast-Man. Yeah. And then and the next then... issue... A black and white of man at arms in front of Grayskull. And where the heck is this when I need it? Are those not the ones we're talking about? No, because the the ones that I'm talking about are Viking He Man, Battle Arm or uh, Barbarian Skeletor, and Battleground Tila are on the cover. That just came out like in the last week, I wanna say. And it's annoying me that I can't find it. Right, it was everywhere like a week ago. Here we go. Yeah. Yep, it's this one. There we go, Master. Okay, that is number... I'm sorry, that is issue three. Yeah. My bad. So yeah, so it's got the New Eternia Skeletor above New Eternia Beastman with New Eternia He-Man and the Battleground Tila in the foreground. Yep. Um... They look menacing. They look great. Is that Tim C? The that one is Eddie Nunez. The cover is the cover Eddie. Okay. The that one. Got that one, that one should be Eddie Nunez, I think. And then there are two other versions. One of them was um, just the Viking He Man, just like in kind front of standing, looking off. Into the distance. Yep. And then the other one is Battleground Tila with a giant snake behind her. And she's like holding a sword in the middle, but blade goes down instead. Right. So, I mean, that, for me, the reason I brought it up, uh, other than the fact, hey, it's something new and we're going to yep. see what this comic is doing. One of the reasons that I thought it would be interesting to bring it up is I'm kind of surprised to see Battleground Tila showing up in here because I figured, and this is just me being me, I figured that all of the designs with the new Eternia were going to be updated in one way or another, and she looks the most uh, DC Comics accurate from when she was in those comics. Right. And it made me wonder, is this now going to be maybe a riff on the original DC comics and that Viking He-Man now is that's him as an older character or a more seasoned He-Man compared to what he was in those initial three from the miniseries back in the eighties. See, and I, I see what you're saying. I think new Eternia is going to throw 
everything out. Probably. I I think it's going to be less like, oh, this is supposed to be that, mm-hmm. and just be like, this is him, and he shares this tendencies or these traits with the, the early mini comics or, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we saw it with the Jitsu that's like completely out of nowhere where he's yeah. this good, misunderstood good guy. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, I'll be interested to see what they do with it. And it's interesting that they're bringing in that version of Tila pretty much not reimagined. Um, and I'm kind of hoping yeah. they do something just completely new, you know? Same with her, because I... I mean, it's not just hormonal. I always thought that version of Tila was a right. cool-looking version of the character, not just, oh, she's sexy because she's in a metal bikini or whatever. But And it, it to me, I have one of her and my normal Tila on the shelf because I feel like it does represent almost like a different character in a way. I mean, obviously her name is Tila, right. but there, there's enough difference to make me go... But she doesn't have to be Tila if you don't want to call her Tila. She could be from a tribe in the jungle just like He-Man if you want to go mini-comics. Yep. But then the, the other thing here, real quick, um, I'm on toynewseye.com where they have the re- the reveal of this cover, and then it says yep. for the, um, the write-up of the issue, tensions rise as the Sorceress of Skull shows uh, Zodak heroes influenced by He-Man from across the multiverse. In an Eternia ravaged by war and left shattered, a goddess known as Tila must free the beast-man shaman from a tribe of superstitious barbarians. And when a drunken group of explorers who jokingly call themselves masters of the universe run ashore on the Isle of Grey Skulls, Grey Skulls, two words, they must decide if saving a captured sorceress is as important as procuring loot. So that already threw, I didn't read anything about that when I first saw those images. I just saw the images. Now that I see that, it's like, yeah, this isn't going to be what I was thinking it was going to be, but <laughs> still glad to see her because like I said, I, I enjoy that take on the character. So well, I think that just shows, you know, that this is going to be, you know, Anything goes. It's we're yeah. reimagining, which can turn out really well. Yeah. So I, I'm more excited for this kind of stuff anymore than like, hey, let's redo Diamond Ray of Dis- Disappearance, mm-hmm. or let's you know let's even honestly let's bring back 2000X and Mike Young Productions. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I know. If they could actually continue, it'd be great, but I highly doubt that they would feel like the proper continuation we need. Looking at you, young Justice. Yeah. So, it just too much time has passed, you know? Well, and and then on top of that, like, for me, a lot of it is get you have to get everybody back to Which do it. Impossible. It's impossible, just like, Being you know. Stefan has passed years ago. Yeah. Absolutely, so. and then on top of that, like like Revelation proved that to me. Like I don't necessarily want to have uh, John Irwin or, or uh, Alan Oppenheimer playing the same roles because time has moved on. It is time to have other people in there doing the roles and making it fresh again. Right. 
but that will never it's like I'm I'm okay with that idea but it still hurts to know that we never got a third season <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, always absolutely. it's like if they're gonna get done three seasons I probably wouldn't be as lamenting over it the way I always do so three seasons in a movie three seasons in a movie sure <laughs> <laughs> You know what the movie would have had to introduce? Oh gotta well, with, gotta stick with the tradition. If if that would have happened, I, to be honest, that's one of the few places where I would have been welcoming of it because I like that continuity so much. Them doing Shira would have made yeah. me go. Now, how are they going to do this? Because they managed to do something a little different in this show. Maybe it'll be different. Who knows or whatever. But long story short, it just didn't work out. So, yeah, well. but yeah, I'm looking forward to this now. Yeah, do you still collect physical comics, or are you a digital guy now? Lately, I've been just going to the digital well because it's faster to get that over yeah. driving a comic shop and stuff. So, how was that way for during the Eternity War? Is that way out? It was just such a hassle to get there, but I found I don't enjoy them as much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about sitting down with the comic, mm-hmm. you know, not having to zoom in to, to look up details, you know. Yeah. So I'm definitely a physical pickup. I want to say I won't collect all covers, but if I Didn't see them there, that? I usually have a hard time saying no. Didn't you say that when we were talking about the prequel comic and you ended up with all of them? At I, think I, got a, I think I got all of them, basically. <laughs> I think I might have missed one just because they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Out of this batch, though, like if I do stick to my guns, mm-hmm. I think the only one that I would pick up is the, the standard. Yeah, uh, Tila and the He-Man by himself, they're just, I don't know, they're fine. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm sure I'll buy them and see them. But <laughs> <laughs> they're not like a must-have. What about not, you? I, I like Eddie Nunez's um, art, So, and, and he, that's a great cover, just with all four of those characters. Yeah. So, and the other one, it's like, okay, Viking He-Man. And, and the other one with Tila, but those for me are like, ah, that's all right, but give me the one where it's like everybody in it is front and center. We're good to go. For sure. And that, well, issue three is until April. Uh, the series kicks off February 15th, so less than a month. A couple weeks? Yeah. A couple weeks from yesterday. So, soon enough, we'll start this journey. All right, let's... Oh, before we jump into remastering, just a quick note. Uh, I know it's not Masters, but Legion's Con has officially announced their dates and their location. It will be November 11th and 12th. Uh, Legion's Con. Go to legionscon.com for all your info. Uh, November 11th, through 12, 2023. Uh, it will be at the Marriott in Whippany, New Jersey. They do have the link to book your hotel room if you're staying on legionscon.com. And I'll drop a link down below too. It uh, gets you a huge discounted rate, free parking, lots of waived fees. If you're going to book, book through the website. 
the Legion Scan website. Um, and the cost is $40. Uh, and that's for a two day badge. Yeah. And last year they did sell out. It wasn't a quick sellout, but they sold out well before the date. So yeah. you definitely yeah. want to look into it. I know it's a little higher than last year, but they doubled their space. They, you know, they're still going to have an exclusive each day, two separate ones, lots of panels. Like they, they're up in the game. So I think twenty bucks a day, well worth it. Definitely. And on top of that, I mean, there's no sleep. I mean, (laughs) you you have the camaraderie. For 48 hours with all these fans and stuff it is it's it's crazy right so if you have any interest in legions at all perfect place get your get your butt out there you know what my favorite part about it is what our friend your longtime friend mm-hmm. Jesse Arnold yeah. is a featured Yes, this year. He is on the initial promo announcement. Mm-hmm. I saw his name, and I'm just like, you go, boy. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. To, to quote Cup, I knew you had potential, lad. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's worked his butt off, you know, customs and just uh, his shows, you know, Mythic Minute and all that, shooting the shelf on YouTube. Like, he's... He's put in the energy, so it's great to see the community embracing him. He definitely deserves all of it. Well, what got me was pretty much after going to Legion's Con 2021, that was what started all that. He right. he was so... like I still got... To this day, it amuses me. The, day, the night when he had Cornboy on, which was like two weeks back now, three weeks back, and it's um, his first one of the year. He he goes, he goes. Yeah, Sean took me in there, and he's pointing out all these people. And he goes, "There's Corn Boy," and I said, "What the hell's a Corn Boy?" And I'm like, and there he is talking to him on a show. So obviously, yeah. you know, things went well for him. <laughs> yep, yep. And he's on he's on the website. Yep. Legionscon.com. Check it out if Mythic Legions are your thing. It's a great convention. Lots of fun. Going to Definitely worth it. All right, let's get into it. Tony, it is time. This is your... Remastering their universe. That's right, folks. It's remastering their universe. Now, for those of you who don't know, this is something we started pretty early on. And then with everything just actually like new, new coming out, we kind of fell off it for a bit, but they're, they're back in the early episodes. So what this is, is we take a story that didn't quite have the power, you know, famously disliked by the community. Usually this one today by Tony isn't quite that I don't feel, but he threw it out to us. So we're going to do it. Um, But we take a story. And we kind of break it down, figure out what its premise is, you know, what, what, what's the main narrative of the story, and how can we tweak it to make it better? So this isn't, we're throwing everything out 
and doing a completely new story. We want to see how we can make this story work. Uh, so today, thanks to Tony's suggestion, we have a beastly sideshow from the filmation He-Man and the Masters of the series. Um, and this is one I've got a lot of fond memories of as a kid. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I, I really liked it. So this one was a little harder for me. Sean, I don't think you had as much issues breaking this one down as I did. <laughs> um, no, I... I think if if I have any claim to fame on this show at all, other than being bald, um, I think it, it's probably the fact that filmation typically there's things about it that as a as a grown grown man and even as a kid that I usually was like, oh, they went here or whatever, and it it, it makes me it makes me wish maybe they did it in a little bit of a different way, like I. I'm not a fan of like circuses showing up on Eternia for starters. So Crackers the Clown can go, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm good. This is still better than Greatest Show on Eternia. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just the, the idea when you say sideshow, other than statues and high end uh, pieces yeah. of collector uh, goods, I think circus slash, you know, things like that. So my mind goes to. It is sort of like a circus on attorney. And when you, when they, they start the episode, it is like the whole, Oh, this, you know, here's a carnival electro or whatever. This guy can, can channel electricity through himself without dying and all that kind of, it's like that kind of stuff just makes me go. I don't want to see that. It feels too earth for me on attorney that, you know, stuff like that. So. Okay. So we're sorry. Okay, so first off, for a rebut. <laughs> I'm just giving examples. This so, is not where No, no, I got you. I just want to, in case people have not watched it recently, go I want to tell go them a brief synopsis, yeah. just so they're not like, what are these guys talking about? Do the synopsis, yes. So a synopsis, Beastly Sideshow, this is where it starts off with a carnival, they specifically say carnival many times, yeah. Yeah, coming that's... to the royal palace. And they have this whole sideshow of the, they got a shadow beast, they got the, one of the big snakes, all the, all these different weird creatures. Yep. Uh, and one of them is this snow white tiger named Pretty Kitty, who Cringer takes a liking to. Um, overnight, Pretty Kitty lures Cringer out to go have a good time. A little bit of Elton John playing in the background, maybe. Dude. Heavily implied. Can like you feel the love tonight? You know what I mean? <laughs> she, take, she takes him back to her cage where the carnival owner locks Cringer and Pretty Kitty in. And it turns out that the carnival owner is Beast Man, who then takes Cringer back to Snake Mountain and puts him as a bait for a trap for Prince Adam. And then once he has Prince Adam, He-Man will be forced to come to save him. Of course, Adam skips that whole middle step and just sends He-Man instead. Uh, and He-Man proceeds to go wreck up Snake Mountain to get his kitty cat back. Mm-hmm. Um, with some with some memorable interactions between Evil Lynn, Beast Man, and Skeletor, uh, with Tila showing up to provide support. So, real quick here, I do want to point out before we start, I have not unpacked my books yet, so unfortunately I don't have the filmation guide in front of me, but I'm sure this is a season one episode. 
number one, just the characters. And number two, it feels like it's still operating under the premise that only those who know the secret know that Cringer can talk. So number one, I think that's part of the reason this episode feels weird. Because basically everybody but Adam is treating Cringer as an object. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have the interaction that he would have in the later episodes when they drop that premise. Because that was part of the early series Bible. Was Cringer can talk, but that's a secret. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to throw that out there right quick. I think that's part of, I think that's a big part of the episode's problem. You know. Okay. But that's just my conjecture. So, Carnival. Yeah. You want to throw out the Carnival? No. I don't. See, here's the problem I have is when I thought of how to remaster this, I have to keep in something I don't like already. So I, I was like, okay, how do you make this work in the confines of the story? And then there's things at the end of the episode that had me going. Well, that would have been kind of cool if they would have done something with it earlier, and then it could have been something that you applied at the end and yes. turn it into like here's this, here's here's this, and and it's something that was already introduced, and you're like, oh, they're doing it again, and this time it's yeah. it's even bigger stakes this time around or whatever. And they almost do that. You locked right in on my number one part of this remastering. All of that. Beastly sideshow that we saw at the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's what He Man's facing at the end. Not Evil Lynn, not Beast Man. He's got to run the gauntlet back through the sideshow. Mm-hmm. And they start to do it because they bring the Shadow Beast out first to attack He Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Tila shows up, you know, and she calms it down King Kong style like she did at the beginning of the episode. Yep. But then after that, on He-Man's assault on Snake Mountain, it just there's the unseen Octo Monster. Mm-hmm. Like, why isn't that the giant snake that we saw? Mm-hmm. If you want a lackey, send Human Electro out there mm-hmm. to attack He-Man. You know? And have him progress back through the sideshow. That was my thought. The same kind of thing, like if you're going to throw this out here in the beginning, it needs to come back around. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the one thing, see, we're, we're kind of on the same page, but we're kind of not. Because the way that I thought of it was, okay, if you're going to have a carnival, do the carnival. Fine. Okay. You got, you got all this stuff going on. And I, I just, in, in my head, I'm like, okay, Adam and Cringer, are walking around at the carnival. I, I don't. I, you didn't even need Tila. You didn't need Man at Arms. In all honesty, just have the two of them being who they are, and they're enjoying the carnival for the day or so. And maybe have Orko in, in it just because Orko would probably be right there with them, checking everything out like he and usually does. He's got to get the. He's got to get the pepper too. The pepper's important to the plot. Well, not in mine. No. <laughs> See that that whole thing it was just like, a, all right, we're going there, and that that didn't matter. But the the thing that I liked was, uh, you know, you have here's the 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 human who can control electric through his own body, and you have all this other the stuff. Human electric. And and then you have 
a hall of mirrors. Right. And there's this whole thing of, you know, like, like Adam, like, Hey, cringe. You want to go check out the hall of mirrors? Could be kind of fun. You know, I don't want to go in there, Adam. And and then, you know, we're Oh, come on, you big sissy. Let's go in there and check it out. Then they go in and they're seeing all the different various, you know, like weird versions of themselves or whatever. And they're having a couple laughs. Cringer gets scared of his own reflection, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep. And it, it, like, there, eventually, it would just get to the point where there'd be something kind of creepy going on in there, and then that tentacle creature, the octo, whatever. I like the idea of that shooting its tendrils out of one of the mirrors, grabbing them and pulling them through, so they're captured right there, and that's it. There's no luring cringer. There's no any of that stuff. It's just boom and. It's like that is the beastly sideshow aspect. There's things that are in the woodwork of this that are like pulling them in and all this other stuff and freaking them out. And then it just turns into like Adam and Cringer trying to figure out how to transform into He-Man and Battle Cat while being captured in Snake Mountain by Beastman, Evelyn, and Skeletor and thinking He-Man's going to arrive. It's almost like the Prince Adam... Right, uh, Prince Adam's courage from uh, 2000X, but then, so then go ahead. Quick, you actually did the opposite. Of me, you know, same idea, but the opposite. Whereas when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, that Hall of Mirrors came out of nowhere at the end when Skeletor yeah. uses it. Yeah. But now with you bringing it ahead, yeah. So basically, you're doing. We run through the sideshow. They go to the Hall of Mirrors and get captured. Then they yeah. got to fight through the sideshow to get back to the Hall of Mirrors to bust out. That and I, I actually, I like the idea that to get out, Skeletor pulls that on them again, just like he did at the ending of the original episode. Right, right. Only it's a bigger deal. Yeah, right. it's like a bigger deal, and and this time around, it, it's just it, there's no pepper. It's just He Man just flat out pissed, and he's just punching through these mirrors trying to get him and Cringer and the Beastly Sideshow out of Snake Mountain because one of the morals of this story I want to tag in, which we've never remastered a moral, but I'm going to do it on this episode. I was going to, too. (laughs) (laughs) It ended with this lame courage thing, and I'm like, that's not the point of the episode. Yeah, exactly. So my, my... my moral, there were two morals I was thinking of for this one, which I I feel weird rewriting the moral, but I'm going to do it. The one option would have been um, about how to care, how to care for your animals, how to care for a pet, and basically don't do what Beastman does because the whole episode when they're trying to get out of Snake Mountain, Beastman's being pretty malicious towards these animals and just ordering them to do stuff and maybe kick one or maybe do something like whip them or whatever. Like he has the whip all the time and, and like he man would take the whip from him, throw Beastman at yep. snake mountain. And then he would be the one doing the Come on, let's get you home. And he'd be trying to help these animals. And he's got like a freaking menagerie with him yep. when, when he's at finally there with Skeletor the other option is I like the idea that it wasn't like He-Man through actions would make the animal side with him. But then I was yep. thinking Cringer through talking would be the one to actually help them understand He-Man's here to try to get them out of there. Well, and, you know, and then that would make Cringer be the one at the end, maybe doing the idea of even if something is scary or even if someone it makes you feel scared 
maybe talking to them and letting them understand where you're coming from, it will make it less scary. And then you have a common ground with that person because maybe the shadow beast scared the hell out of them through the episode. But then at the end, finds out the shadow beast isn't so bad, you know? And with yours, it's really an animal abuse more. Yeah. And I don't mean to do it that way, but I'm like, but but it is. would not. No, be it is. It's it's cringer going like, no, like Adam treats me well. Yeah. Well, no, he makes you do what he wants. No, no, not really. Like we're we're good. And, and, you know, and, and the and the other animals are like, oh, really? Exactly. Right. And I, it's like that. That would have a little more heart to it. Because, like, the thing I noticed in it about this episode, which is funny to me, is once you get into the point of Adam just flat out, like, I, I love that Man in Arms is like, Adam, maybe you don't want to do this idea. By the power, Grayskull, he just goes into it. And it's like, yeah. this episode is just He-Man flat out, like, F your couch, you know, this right. where he just starts ravaging through and rummaging well, about, through Snake Mountain. So I, I, I definitely... I definitely like yours. I see where you're coming from. I think that's a great through line. And basically, we had the same idea. Basically, our middle, it seems like, is the only thing that's different. Mm. Um, whereas, I want it to go basically the same up until the abduction. And because, I, to me, I think the abduction is a big point of it. With it being just cringer. I think it hits a little bit more on like your kid, your best friend. Like, you know, you wake up and he's just gone. Mm. What happened? And I think that's what lends itself to Adam acting so... I mean, like you said, Dung is like, you know, it's going to be a trap. He wants to lure out He-Man and Adam just like, by power of Grayskull. All right, let's do this. I'm not yeah. even going to go as Adam. I'm going to go as He-Man. If that's what Skeletor wants, that's what Skeletor gets. You took my cat. You took my best yeah. friend, my steed, my sidekick. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Now, what I would change, um, same as you, I want that octopus monster in the beginning. I Everything mm-hmm. that's in the menagerie, I have He-Man fight through at the end. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh so actually, I would probably, I'd probably take Human Electro out because I think it should be all beats. Sure. Because I had that same idea. Yeah. Like, and for me, one of the things that bothered me was after the abduction, Pretty Kitty's gone. <laughs> we had that dice, a messenger go, did I yeah. catch that right? Is she literally not in the rest of the episode right. at that moment? So basically what I had is, so... Number one, I made Pretty Kitty sentient as well. She can okay. talk. Because other, I don't know, it was a little weird with Cringer going full hormonal over basically a beast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, it's weird. It's also weird later in The Cat and the Spider where the humanoid feline Katrina is like ready to ride Battle Cat. And not mm. like He-Man rides Battle Cat. So. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> but so I, it, it just, it's, it's weird with Battle Cat and Cringer, right? Because they're obviously sentient. They can talk, but they're still fully an animal. Yep. So number one, I think Pretty Kitty needs to talk. 
She needs to be sentient like Cringer, but she's been so abused and by Beast Man that like she she does what he tells her to. He tells mm-hmm. go get that cat. And she goes and get she lures him back. And so then when He-Man goes to Snake Mountain and starts working his way through, and I would have him take I would have him take Tila with him. Because I, I did like that Shadow Beast moment in the beginning of the episode. That's something that stuck with me. And that's kind of the, the start of the idea that, you know, animals, it's all about how you treat them. Yeah. So Beastman is a carnival owner. He's got the Shadow Beast all rah, 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 rah. And then Teal's like, okay, you're all right. Like, and then for me as a kid, I remember like, oh, Shadow Beasts aren't evil. They're just, you know, it's more like pit bulls. Like, yes, they can be vicious attack dogs, or they can be your best friend. You know, depends on how you treat them. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. The show was like, as it is, was so close to these points, yeah. but it just kind of pulled at the end and turned into a standard He-Man fights through the bad guys. So. But I would also, once they get outside Snake Mountain and the sh- Shadow Beast is there, you know, Tila does her thing and takes care of the Shadow Beast, freeing up He-Man to keep going and get Cringer back. But then I, that's like it for Tila. I don't like this, like, then she wanders into the trap randomly. Yeah. And no, nah, like, that's it. She's She's good. We'll meet her back at the palace. You know, that's fine. And basically then He-Man battles through the rest of the menagerie. Same thing, maybe even. Like, Skeletor's got the pit trap and everything. And you've got the other creatures from the sideshow pinning He-Man down. Skeletor's like, this is my moment, you know? And Cringer, I put Cringer and Pretty Kitty up in the cage. You could have Cringer and Pretty Kitty kind of, you know, talking about the cycle of abuse. You know, I mean, for kids. But she could be like, you know... Cringer's like, why'd you do it? She's like, my master told me. He's like, well, your master doesn't seem to treat you very well. And she's like, you know, don't all masters act like that? He's like, no, Adam's my friend. And, you know, have that, you know, going on with them. And so then they, you could even have it where Cringer can't knock that cage off alone. (laughs) So she has to help me. Yeah. Yeah. And so then... The two of them are able to knock the cage down. He-Man saves them. And then between Cringer and Pretty Kitty, the other animals are like, why are we doing this? Yep. And then they turn on Skeletor and Beastman, and that allows them to escape. I would have them take Pretty Kitty with and have her, you know. And I would keep Cringer. Battle Cat does not need to be in this episode. All Battle Cat showing up at the end does is make everyone go, wait a minute. This is a Cringer episode. This is one of the first I saw, you know, House of Shakoti style, Mm -hmm. where, you know, those little defining moments are like, Cringer's not just a coward. You know, House of Shakoti. Adam, I'm back to the palace in 30 seconds, so you better raise that sword. You know, this is the same thing. Cringer's going like, you know, and we, we... This way we get to see Cringer. 
I like seeing horny Cringer, oddly enough. <laughs> like, showing that he has some other interest besides running away and food. Yeah. It just fleshes him out to me. And having yeah. him be the one to be like, guys, this is not right. Beastman yeah. should not treat you this way. There are better owners out there. There are better masters out there. You could actually be friends and having the whole thing culminate. All right, I guess I didn't need Orko's pepper. You're right. The pepper's out. <laughs> but and have them so He-Man can't destroy all the mirrors at once, but then all, all of a sudden he turns around and all those creatures are behind him. And they <laughs> each take a mirror. Yeah. You know? Sure. And bust their way out to freedom. Yeah. And then and, the moral of the story is treat your pets right. Yeah. Just care for them. Love them. Don't get a pet if you can't handle the commitment. Absolutely. Again, serious moral, real world applications for kids. So you can't like go into like abuse and trauma, but you can kind of talk about it. Just not yeah. directly. And kids pick up on that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that, and that was that was something that I was going to say earlier, and, and you already you you hit the uh, the mark with that one. Is I I think it it works much better when Cringer is Cringer through the whole episode, mm-hmm. and it's like He Man does show up because he you know right. he's going into Snake Mountain both flying, but at the end of the day, like Cringer and and part of it could be you know like him him even imparting some wisdom to the animals that maybe right. He-Man would have said to somebody in danger. You know, and it's the whole idea of him going like, and he'd like look at the camera and break the fourth one and be like, I guess there's more in Battle Cat and me than I thought. Or, so, you know, like that whole yeah, idea. Yeah, that's the, the tag at the end when they're back yeah, in the palace. Yep. Exactly. You know, like there, there is that, he, he feels a little more, uh, pride in being who he is, and right. he doesn't always have to have the power of Grayskull to do to make the right decisions or whatever. So, yep. and yeah. then the, the, have him do that with Adam, and then Adam be like, you know, you're right, Cringer. Yeah, you want to go grab some dinner? Yeah. Oh, I've got other plans. And you see Pretty Kitty like over <laughs> in the door, like, hey, you're right. Re-. Yeah, and I made her talking, so she's like, you ready to go, Cringer? Yeah, and he gets the little hearts in his eyes. He's like, "Yeah, He's let's like, go." <laughs> and honestly, it was a, it was a Gwen Wetzler directed episode, and she is famous for the 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 heart ending. She oh, did it. She did it. That would she be did great. it in some of the Orco. She did a lot of like the Orco Driel later on. Adora Seahawk moments. So like, end on the little heart there, like. Yep. It, and it fit right in with the Gwen Wetzler episode. She was always pushing for that kind of emotion in her episodes, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, said, I I still think it holds up. So we, you know, we we maintain the basic premise. If anything, I feel mine is more action-packed while still holding the kids and having a better theme. Beastly Sideshow, but the Sideshow disappears halfway through the regular episode. Mm-hmm. So... Absolutely. And I mean, if, if, uh, I know when I was a kid and my kids, anytime there's a story when it, where it involves animals, they're usually more tuned into it than not because they have their own animals here and they want to see other people treating their animals right. And right. so that would have resonated with them quite a lot. So, Absolutely. yeah. There you go, Tony. I think we remastered that amazingly. And I thought it was a great episode to begin with. So, 
I hope uh, I hope we lived up to your expectations. Let us know what you think, yeah. Tony. Anyone else? Um, last thing I will say about Beastly Sideshow, though, it was cool seeing the actual toy whip, like mm-hmm. the long handled with the guard, and he, you mm-hmm. know, um, and I know you you picked up on that, and that was kind of the. I think that. No, I think we saw the whip before we saw Skeletor talk to him, but I think that was kind of the hint, like, hey, this carnival owner's not who he says he is, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I always – a question I have watching it, though, is, like, cats and dogs, typically, they'll sniff somebody and they'll know that person, and then that that's the next reaction. Are they going to be loving towards them, or are they going to, you know, hiss and run away or whatever? Right. And there's a part of me that's going like, you mean to tell me Cringer's around that guy and he can't sniff that that's Beastman? Because Beastman, was, it wasn't even a spell. He literally pulls a mask yeah, off his mask. head and there's Beastman. And I'm like, if it was a spell, I would have forgiven it because the spell probably would have... Because they're, yeah. they're, they made the they made the joke a few times, if I remember right, where it's like Beastman does not smell as good as other characters. He will more it, Mike Young. Maybe. I, I, I could remember have it frequently in Mike Young. I don't really remember it much in Filmation, but that's just off the top of my head. I could have swore there was a line somewhere, but it could be Mike Young, where I, I thought He-Man made a comment about Beastman not smelling so great, or yeah. one thing or another, based on what he's probably having around him in his menagerie at any time. But but yeah, that that kind of that kind of got me too. I'm like, he literally just had a mask. It wasn't like a spell. Because that was the other thing. Like, Evil Lynn being there, like I figured that's what the deal was. She made a spell on Beastman to make him look like this guy, and and it's like no, 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 she did not. Okay, so it's like you're kind of taking the wind out of her even being on board for this when she really doesn't have a huge role to play compared to Skeletor and Beastman in this episode. Yeah, she just yeah, and then they capture, her and then that's where they start their little Beastman's puppy love towards her in Revelation, yeah. apparently. So. Probably the one much of those captivity moments. <laughs> the one, the one part that I really liked, but I just I like the scene, but I, I it had to go because I think the whole Tila getting captured after she subdues the Saddle Beast is just clunky. Mm-hmm. But I did like the scene in the episode where she's being captive and He Man shows up after defeating everybody, and he's like, "You ready to go?" She's like, "Oh, He Man." You know, the, he, Evelyn enchanted the chains. Oh, yeah. Even you can't break them. Like, <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. And he just yeah. pulls it right out of the wall. And I'm like, I really like that beat, but I don't think it feels in this epi- episode. Like, no. Yeah, it, it, it was fun. I'm like, you always hear that stuff. Oh, I'm going to make it strong enough for He-Man. And usually, cartoon logic, it is. Mm-hmm. But like, He-Man just like, nope, yeah. failed. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that beat. It doesn't belong here, though. Yeah. No, like, like you said, I, I think it works. The remaster, and and I think it's more concise this time around because that was my biggest problem with the episode. It felt all over the place, um, in certain ways. So streamlining it. But yeah. All right. Remastered. Check. All right, so guys, this is the moment. If you do not like spoilers, 
turn this off. We love you all. And we'll see you next time. Uh, make sure to like, share, subscribe before you go. And no hard feelings. Take care. All right. All you guys that stuck around. This book. Not only oh I forgot it's also got all of the all of the sneak peek tableaus. You know, at the end of the episode they'd have like that one image that kind oh, of Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Kind yeah, of teases cool the next one. Yep. Yep. They got them all here in full glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize how many different artists they had. Because you know, you can never yeah, they were only on for a second and everything, but yeah, yeah. they've got Jeff Masuda does a lot of them, but there's a lot of other people who Eddie Nunez, he did a yeah. couple at least. Uh Jake Parker, Nicola Scott. Tons of people worked on it. So those are fun to take a look at. But the last two pages, and this is what Sean found, is entitled A Look Ahead. I can't believe they put this stuff in. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's it's amazing. So, oh, I don't even know where to start. First, let's get some pictures up for our viewers. These are the pictures that Sean found. So we're actually going to start here with the second page. And this... This is back on Eternia. With their friends off-world, Crass and Orko assemble a new team of Masters of the Universe to help fight the Horde occupation. Cyclone, Stonedar, and Tubat. Yes, Tubat. So here you can see you got Cyclone's got two forms. He got he's got a serene base mode and a tempestuous master form. Very two thousand X, very Anwat Gar. He feels a bit less Gar though, and a bit more elemental, which I like. Uh, thoughts on Cyclone before we move on, Sean? I liked it. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him. He he looks a lot more dangerous in his tempestuous or whatever you said is that form. And um, I I dig that they're not making because one of my biggest things with Cyclone, even you know throughout all the iterations, is is he half robot or what is the deal with him? And in this one, the elemental side, yeah, it clears sure. that up for me in a way where I'm like, I like that take on him. Um, so yeah, and, and I, I was excited for you because I know he's your boy. He's one of yeah. your absolute favorites and you get him showing up. Now I'm just I'm, I'm definitely scratching my head going, well, where the hell's Fisto? But <laughs> it's cool as Cyclone is going to be in there. Well, I think it, I, I would highly doubt that they show everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we'll get to it in a second. They, they say they don't show everybody. Mm-hmm. So next up, we got Stonedar, and that's his master form. It says his base mode is an 
an inanimate boulder with a heart of gold. So this one is literally going to be a rock until he transforms. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious how they're going to pull that one off. Like, it's like Ray Crass has a pet rock and all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> yeah. And how can an inanimate boulder have a heart of gold? Like, what does it do? Mm. You it know? <laughs> it rolls down the hill and it avoids people, I guess, on the right. way down instead of crushing them. I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, he looks... He's a he's a pure monster. They really kept a traditional color scheme with him, though. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at it and you're like, yeah, those are stone dark colors. Same with Cyclone. He's much closer. They toned down the yellow to more of that, that tan. But mm-hmm. other than that, like, blue, red, tan, that's pretty much there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got Too Bad. Uh, and it does... So, Too Bad's Master Form. Their power axes combine to form an obsidian master strike. Too Bad's base mode is Tuvar and Badra, who we've seen all through the first season. Mm-hmm. Will Final. they stay good, or will they join with Hordak? They're of two minds on the subject. Mm-hmm. So they're really going to play up the, uh, the arguing mindset, yeah. where it seems like one wants to stay good and one wants to go evil. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, then we've also got ancient allies. Along the way, our heroes must seek the aid of Zodak, not pictured, and Mossman above. Mm-hmm. And Mossman we have seen before. He was in the mm-hmm. Scholastic book and on yep. the cover. So that's not too big of a surprise. Uh, but too bad, Sean. I I like it. I was not expecting it to be almost like a hot and cold vibe from them, the way that they made it in this uh, this design. But I like that. Yeah, I definitely. No, it's an interesting take on it. I like the looks of them. I like the I like the like you said the fire and ice, the hot and cold. However, you want to look at it, there it's uh, it's fun. I lost my camera. Uh, And then last but not least, kind of cut off in the picture from Instagram, but I can see him. And I'll probably post a picture in our Legendati Facebook group. That's the Secret Society. Make sure you search that out and join. Is the unnamed one, Mm -hmm. a rogue trawling bounty hunter armed with his trusty Potion Pistol Spell Shooter is on the hunt for Orko. I think it looks pretty cool. <laughs> it's a surprise because uh, I, like, I didn't get to see that uh, like you said the other night. So now that I know it's the unnamed one, he's a bounty hunter. It's like, that's going to yeah, be he's it. Got, like the double bandolier of like yep. spell bullets. Yep. Uh, he's red skinned. Other than that, very Orco-ish hat, the scarf and everything, but brown, leathery. It looks fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it should be a nice little subplot in there when they get to this. I like this. Right. It makes me think of Nerf. <laughs> yeah, the gun definitely does. <laughs> I can see that being a role play. I, you know, they came out with the sword already. 
come out with a Havoc staff and the spell shooter. That'd be cool. All right, next up, we've got Despara. Here's a little close-up for you guys for a second here. I'll zoom in. There's Despara. Now, I know, Sean, that one really took you by surprise. Yeah, I, I did not expect that she was going to be on the series because that's always been one of those, if she's there, does that mean we're going to go Shira potentially at some point or are we right. not able to go Shira depending on the the license or the whatever? Um, but just the fact that this is the first time we're getting her in any media form other than a comic and a toy, that's pretty cool. And it went there on this show instead of like Revelation or instead of, you know, any other version. It's like the CGI show is the one to break that for the first time. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, she's she's fun to see. And then next to her, we've got Tila, Adam, Duncan, Keldor, and Marlena. Finally. In very <laughs> normal looking clothes, huh, Sean? Like something you would see walking down Fifth Avenue. It, it did make me go. Like at first, I thought it had nothing connected to the show. Like it was maybe something on a website that yeah. the person took a photo of, and it's like, here's character designs for this one project we're doing. But then here's stuff for the CGI Masters of the Universe. And then I looked at them like, now that's Tila. Tila's got headphones, but she looks like Tila. And I'm like, oh, God, what the? And then it's like, they're going to Earth. Huh? Earthbound. When the Horde conquers Eternia, our heroes Adam, Duncan, Tila, and Cringer, plus Keldor, escape to planet Earth on a desperate mission to find the Terran astronaut who may hold the secret to stopping Hordak. Adam's mom, Marlena. Mm-hmm. A mysterious Despara, Hordak's chief enforcer, is on their trail to stop them. Oh my god. Adam's half Earthling! Yeah. They did the, it! They're they're doing all of it. It's all <laughs> I get my jungle He-Man. You get your half-earthling He-Man. You got your jungle tribe warrior. I mean, it's... Yeah, they really are doing everything. (laughs) This is... When I read that, and you know Mm -hmm. I hate my spoilers, but, you know, you sent me the pictures. I had to zoom in and read it. It was equivalent to Spider-Man No Way Home at the end where I'm like... They, they did it. They yeah. made Peter the street level mm-hmm. broke on his own superhero that I never thought MCU could get him to. Right here, they have taken Adam and made him half Earthling, astronaut mom. They're taking him to Earth, mm-hmm. eighty-seven movie style. Mm-hmm. Like, what more can you ask for? This is. <laughs> Honestly, like, that was enough for me to just go, like, this show is willing to do, it's, like, they they say uh, it's the kitchen sink property. Well, this, 
this now is showing the kitchen sink is being thrown into the mix because for how long I would have never, ever expected this show to leave Eternia, ever. And they had it so hard down, but now it's like, okay, we're going to Earth. Nope, I expected. It was like MYP, everybody Eternian, we're staying on Eternia. You know, this is it. And I was okay with that. Mm -hmm. But they're like, nope. We, we can do it all. And this explains where Marlene has been. I know we speculated that she might be dead. You know, they never really talked about it. This is why. Mm-hmm. So, um, real quick, before we jump back to the spar here, I do want to uh, read the top here. We're kind of looping backwards around here. Uh, so, obviously, up at the top there, you can see Mantena, Raptrap, Grizzlore, Modulok, and Leech. Yep. who I think all look amazing, horrible. It's going to be a fun season. Mm-hmm. Uh, a look ahead. The season three finale ends on a cliffhanger reveal of Hordak, our lovable cosmic vampire who feeds on the terror of all living beings. As our story continues, we'll learn he leads the evil Horde, a cadre of monsters, each representing a different primal fear. Hordak and his Horde are the archetypes of terror, known by many names across the universe. On Earth, we call them the Vampire, the Bug-Eyed Alien, the Mummy, the Werewolf, the Frankenstein Monster, and the Creature of the Swamp. But soon we'll know them as the horrors they truly are. Uh, And they've all got horde symbol tattoos on them, much like we've already seen Grayskull and Havoc in the first three seasons. You know, definitely Mm. a third power, they all look evil. Modulok, you can see like the energy bits holding his pieces together. He's definitely going to be able to reform, segment, you know. Mm-hmm. God, they look great. I, I I feel stupid right now not realizing that Modulok is basically Frankenstein's monster until just now. Yeah. yeah. As a kid, it, like, like, I... It, Vampire, sure. Wolfman, yep. yeah. The even the bug-eyed monster, it was like, all right, that could be kind of like a fifties B movie right. monster creature. But I never thought of Modulok as Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> I think honestly, it's the it's the biggest stretch on all of those. But mm-hmm. I know there's always going to be kind of that tendency to be like the the horde is basically the universal monsters. Yep. Yeah. So I don't mind the connection. It's not where my mind goes. With the mm-hmm. horde, but I'm like, okay, I can I can live with it. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. something that I would do, but I like where they're going with it. I like mm-hmm. the theme they're going with. So we already had Grayskull power, we had Havoc, and you know, they were basically revealed to be two sides of the same cone coin. And now we're going into this whole primal fear thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's cool. I like. Mm-hmm. I really like Grizzler's white fur. I didn't. Yeah. It's nothing I would have come up with, but looking at him, like that works. Yeah, I, I like that, and I was I was pleasantly surprised by their interpretation on Leech. Yeah, because I typically see him as being like a hulking character. They made him look a lot more like a like a creature from the Black Lagoon, slimmer and a little more like creepier looking, and. uh I, I, honestly, like the horde, 
out of any of the factions, the Horde, especially with this show, is the easiest that you can just start throwing things around and see what happens. Because they don't have to be chapter and verse what you expected them to be as long as they adhere to one or two tenets of what they look like. And it, this this is one of those times where I'm like, I, I've been excited to know that they're going there. And plus, it's not going to be like the Netflix Shira where we're only going to get Hordak. We're going to get all of the Horde that we grew up with. So that's pretty cool. And Raptrap on top of that. Yeah, yeah, he looks great. And I really like on Mantena, his eyes are popping out like we're used to, but they're like more... They're not just like straight stalks. They're like these weird optical nerves coming yeah. out, and kind of they're a little more sinuous. Mm-hmm. And it looks really cool. Yeah, it's going to look creepy on screen. Oh, so Despara. I like Despara. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I know what I'm hoping for. Mm-hmm. And obviously, most people would go to Adora under that yeah. mask. Is there a chance? I'm not going to say it won't be her. I, I, I wish I knew uh, based on seeing that stuff the other day. Yeah. Now I'm like, I really want to see the fourth season already. Right. Um, I... In my head, I'm like, okay, there's there's two options that I would go with if I, if I, I would as well. I'm curious if ours are the same. All right, well, I, obviously Adora would be the first and foremost, but then I'm thinking Catra. Oh, okay, that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking Evelyn. That would work too because they already showed. That commonality because that's her father. Uh, that's what they're saying. Yeah, and we know Despar was raised as a daughter of Hordak. Grant, the raised part would be different, but that's the old, that's the red herring that I'm waiting for. Is I'm going like, oh no, it was Evil Lynn after Hordak met her at the end of season three. He made her into Despar. So, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna probably say I don't think so because the fact. Like, Evil Lynn is so magic-based that, to me, Despara is a physicality that Evil Lynn is not. So I feel like she would have to be already in the ranks, ingratiated into the Horde, not just, here's Hordak showing up and that's his daughter. and, and Because I could see her... I can see her siding with him as a way to get out of what's happening because now Skeletor is Ooh. We lost Sean. And we'll be right back. All right, we got Sean back. We're good guys. Uh so yeah, no, I I'm not I'm not saying I really think it's Evil Lynn, but that was just think about it, I'm like that's the one that like if they're gonna pull a red herring on. Sure, I could see them doing that. Mm-hmm. I will. Uh, last thing I'll point out, real quick, from the book, and I didn't take a picture of it. Maybe I will later. Uh, they do have all the paintings and tapestries, which look awesome, and they do show the one of the royal family. 
Oh yeah, the one with the the empty cushion. These tapestries not only served to represent Eternia's rich and glorious history, but also to foreshadow possible revelations and stories to come. How else can you explain the rather large, empty space on the sofa to Adam's right? Yeah, and uh, so we've been. We always said Marlena looked, you know, crestfallen mm -hmm. up in the in there. So absolutely, yeah, I. This, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm such a geek about this show that you know, it's like any news I get about it just makes me happier. Even if, like, I think the only season that I wasn't like blown away by anything, uh, but I was still happy was probably season two because Muskitara was just kind of a blink and you miss it moment, and we yeah. thought it was going to be a bigger character than that. But beyond that, I mean. They they have never given a season where I'm not at least ready to sit down and binge the hell out of it to see what happens next. So, and and ever since we saw that painting, I've been curious if they are going to go there. So, if how much are you going to scream like a little girl if that's a big Adora under Despara's mask? <laughs> As much as I screamed about Earth and everything else, but no, I honestly, if they can pull this off and bring Adora in after being Despara, this is a show that will deal with that trauma, and this is a show where Adora won't just jump into Shira. I feel mm-hmm. and really have to earn it. And earn her redemption, which mm-hmm. I've been saying since the beginning. I want that story. Me I too. Get, I hold nothing against filmation. Nineteen eighty-five was not the time in a kid's cartoon to go into this kind of stuff. Mm-mm. They needed to do the all right, Adora, bad guy redeems ultimate good guy. That's absolutely how filmation should have been. That's how filmation should always be. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, we can dig into it more. We can have some more real conversations. We can have an Adora that's battling her demons and still keep it for the kids and for the adults. And I cannot wait to see how the show handles that if they go Adora under that mask. Well, last season with Kraz. Right. Now that, that that's the one thing though. Like we just had a redemption arc with Kraz after she went full on uh havoc because of the crystal that she had and you know, deciding to side with Skeletor. What are the cause cha- though? Well, here's the thing though. They did not go as dark with her as I thought they no. were going to. No, she they did her punches. And- she did everything she could to keep the masters safe while working for Skeletor. And and she was also basically haunted by Skeletor. So he was right. he was pissing her off enough that she was eventually not going to be on his side no matter what. Mm-mm. But in this version, if if they have Adora, th- that's that's a story point that would be interesting though in that it's not set up in the way that I'm thinking it would work right now, but if it goes into season five, for instance, you have Crass being somebody who dipped her toe into that and can understand the redemption 
of Adora wanting to go good if she gets the sword and all that stuff. And that's an interesting thing that it wouldn't just be Adam turning her to good and right. and helping her. It's the whole group of them, which it's the whole, we have the power. Well, there you go. That group would be in concert in trying to make her feel like she has a chance to redeem herself then. Like, I could see some of them not wanting to decide whether at all. Like, probably Teela and Duncan would probably be, wait a minute. Right. But then, then you have Crass and Adam, who are both like, well, you know, Adam being like, this is my biological sister, and Crass being kind of like his adopted sister, and her going through what she went through last season. I think it could be an interesting dynamic for the story, just based on that in general. With so. them putting all this in here, we better see this season. <laughs> like, I mean, this is even better than, you know, after Mike Young ended, we did get the interviews where some guys kind of gave their thoughts mm-hmm. on where the show was headed. Some of that contradicted each other. Some of it, I mean, even they said was like, well, that's kind of where my mind was at. Who knows what would have actually come, you know? (laughs) But this is like definitively in print. This is our plan. This is our setup for the next season. Mm -hmm. And I am ready for it. Holy smokes. Same here. That's Uh, the thing. Like that's where, that's where poor Mike young productions got screwed. You can't introduce the horde and not follow through with something, you know. Like that's big of a third party that your mind starts going crazy with the potential. So the fact that you've got Hordak at the end of season three, it's like you got to give us at least two more seasons of this. Because to me, Snake Men is a yeah. We we covered them last season. We're done. Okay, fine. And uh, you know me being who I am, but in general. They did that. That's fine. The Horde, to me, because of them being so galactic and tyrannical in that way, it makes more sense for that to be a bigger storyline carried over more than just one season. I agree. Last blurb I'll read from here. From Rob David. How do all these sneak peeks tie together? And what about that big cliffhanger question? Is Evelyn truly the daughter of Hordak. Well, you've made it this far, so we can tell you. We ain't gonna tell you in this book. (laughs) But one day, we will tell that story. Because Masters of the Universe is a living myth full of endless possibilities. Motu forever. I've got Rob David's promise. That we're going to see that story. And I will say, there's a couple times in this book where he posits the question, is Evelyn truly the daughter of Hordak? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really curious about that, too. I just, I took it as a, a you know, I took Hordak at his word. And I was, I'm good with that. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting story plot. But after reading some of this stuff, it's kind of like, is he telling, is she really his daughter? So that's, that's going to be an interesting plot thread though. Absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) 
So real quick, we got a couple minutes left. All that's been pictured. Who's the guy, girl, that you want to see that has not been teased or, sh- I mean, outright shown? I uh, like I said, I, I'd like to see if Fisto shows up because, to me, out of anyone, if they're giving the power to others to build a new army mm-hmm. to offset the Horde invasion. Fisto should be a given, you know, like it, it, they already did Stratos. And I mean, I, I'd like to see buzz off Fisto, you know, any of those, uh, you know, like the, the typical masters characters that, uh, and they've even, uh, they even nodded at the adrenids, um, yep, they're, they're talking about the theories. So, so hopefully buzz off is out there. Hopefully Fisto is out there and I'd like to see him riding in on Stridor cause they already showed Stridors, even though it wasn't, you know, one Stridor, but it's cool that they're out there too. So, I gotta say, I, I mean, obviously, any any of the core characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for my for my main one, I'm I'm gonna go Whiplash. I really would like to see what Whiplash does. Obviously, Keldor is gonna need some more evil warriors because. I mean, it, it's kind of a hint that there's going to be like a Keldor Masters team up. But I'd still like him kind of have his own guys too. So I'd like to see him add to his army throughout this next season. Or he he has to get his own army because the others have defected. Right, right. That's what I mean. I, I think okay. he still needs some baddies. Yeah. I don't want him to just be like Keldor's part of the good the Masters because Hordax the big bad. You know what I mean? I still want no. him kind of doing his own thing too. I I don't mind the idea of Keldor having to deal with the situation. It's yeah. it's the evil seed thing. Okay, right. we have a common enemy. We're going to go up against it, but then him amassing an army behind their backs or something. Right. Or him. He's still got his guys. Though. Yeah, because like the the too bad thing that that you said about the the horde is kind of a surprise because. Like I again, it's it's the Jitsu thing in New Eternia. It's like I always equated too bad to being you know Skeletor's warrior. So it, it, they're they're changing this stuff enough that I like that I don't have my own footing of what they're going to do here. And with that, with it's you are in Badra, it sounds like. I mean, obviously, we're going to say that that Badra, you know. Since he's the fire personality, mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's the one that wants to go with the horde. But it it kind of feels more like, or I'm thinking it's going to be more like, uh, well, they're the main power. I served Randor because he was the main power. The horde's taken over, oh, yeah. so we should serve the horde. Mm-hmm. And then maybe after the season's over, it's like the horde's gone. Randor doesn't want me anymore because we defected. All right, now Skeletor is a big power. Let's go to Skeletor. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. I think he's more more chasing that master, that big man, mm-hmm. that big master, you know, the powerful master. Yeah. That's how I mean, I'm assuming it'll go. But a deep pull, especially because all of this is, you know, Hordax, the ancient vampire and everything. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see Malakthah. Because <laughs> I think this is gonna this is gonna dig into some of that ancient history stuff. So for him to pop up an episode or two, a few minutes here or there, you know, and unearth something, maybe he's the one who points him down the earth path. You know what I mean? Like, 
I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. That's well, I mean, if they go to Doran's, that it, that wasn't wasn't the reason they couldn't have the horde proper on Netflix was because of the copyright issue or something. Mm-hmm. So, because Mattel's got the toy horde, yeah. So they could only use the filmation members of the horde. It's a really weird licensing thing. I mean, I'd be fine with that because, like. We we recently had that talk about you know the Malaktha having his own thing and, and you could you could even have him on assignments trying to dig yeah. up these artifacts so that they don't fall into Skeletor's hands and become the MacGuffin of the week or whatever. Which I think that would actually be a pretty interesting premise personally. So yeah, having having somebody like him showing up where maybe he and uh, he and Cringer instead of having uh, Stanlin. Just have him and Cringer because Cringer's the uh, what, what is he the the um, the archivist yeah. for the royal uh, the royal family and all that stuff. You can have him and and Malakta going into that because he is more interested in the historical relevance of this style. Like, you know, you you haven't been to the royal library for shame, children, and all. You know, like you know, it's like him and Malakta would be like love at first sight when they get to meet each other and learn that they both are book bookworms like that. <laughs> Cannot wait. Rob, Jeff, you better make this. If you put Malakta in there, you don't even have to credit us. Just give us a wink. Some, put like a bald guy and a guy with a goatee in the background and <laughs> do it like this. <laughs> I'll be a horde slave. I don't mind. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll be whatever. It's like it, when uh, when they brought out the uh, the prequels for Star Wars uh, what was it? In sync. They wanted to be stormtroopers yeah. at one point. And they were like trying to like pimp themselves out to, to Lucas. It's like I'm the same way about masters. It's like, hey, you want to put me in there as like somebody that you know, a henchman to Skeletor. You want me to be, you know, like grown up pig boy? Fine, I don't care. Right? It'd be really cool. Just go. Hey, that's me. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, it's been a great episode ninety eight. We're almost to 100. Two away. Oh, my Lord. I'll uh, be there before you know it. we got lots of exciting things lined up. So make sure you like, share, subscribe so you know when the new episode's popping up. You get all the news. You know when we go live on YouTube. Even if you're listening on audio, head over to YouTube. Hit the subscribe if you would. That way you can get our numbers up. I'm not going to lie. Numbers are always good. And then you know those random, because we do do some live stuff that we even don't put to audio. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, thanks for joining in. Sean, anything you got to add? Uh, like you said earlier, get your tickets for Legion's Con uh, and, and get your room for Legion's Con. And... Check out Jesse's channel, by the way. Uh, I'll throw him out since we mentioned him earlier. Just shelve it. Uh, every Sunday night, he does an interview, and, and he's in the cabal. He's all over the place in there right now, too. So shout out to him for doing well. And um, until next time. Until next time, guys. O2 forever. Oh, come on. 
Oh!